you would, would you turn with me to Psalm chapter 78? Psalm 78, if you have a Bible. If not, they'll put it up on the screens for you. Psalm chapter 78, and I'm going to start in verse 70. Now I'm reading from the NIV for the folks back there. Psalm 78, starting in verse 70, from the New International Version. I'm so thankful I get the opportunity to share God's Word with you today. And I'm so thankful, um, even though this season looks a lot different, I'm still thankful that we are in this Thanksgiving season. And I love what Derek said this morning. We enter his gates with Thanksgiving. I think we enter his gates with Thanksgiving because we're just thankful we got in the gate. Is anybody in the room just glad you got in today? You're just glad that because of Jesus, God has let you in. And so, man, I'm thankful today because I'm in the house. I'm thankful today because... If you're not in the room, you're able to watch on television. Every one of us has something to be grateful for. Every one of us has something to say thank you, God, for. And even if you've got some things that aren't working, you're still alive because something's working. And so maybe right now you should stop talking about all the stuff that isn't working and thank God for the stuff that is working. Give him praise for the one eye that does work this morning, for the one that's not twitching today. For the one ear you can still hear out of. Some of us, some of us need to learn to thank God for the stuff that never happened. I think sometimes we give God a lot of praise for all the stuff that has happened. But if we were to really know all of the things that should have happened, could have happened to us. But God put a stop to it. And he stood in the gap for us. Come on, I think we would give God a better praise than we've been giving him this morning. Well, is there anybody thankful? I'm just, I'm just thankful to be in the gate. I'm just thankful for what's working. I'm thankful today for the stuff that never happened, that should have happened, but God intervened and it didn't happen. Come on, let's give him some praise right now. God, we are grateful today. We are thankful today because we're in the gate. We're in the gate. We know the name. We know the way, the truth, and the life. We know the way to the Father. We, we know which gate to take. We're in the gate. I'm thankful today, aren't you? Amen, amen, amen. Psalm chapter 78. I'm going to start in verse 70. Today I want to talk to you about a core value that we have here, that we are committed to excellence. And the reason we're talking about our core values is because I've noticed over this past year, so many people get so distracted with so many things that they've lost their vision and they've lost their focus. And the Bible tells us in Proverbs that without vision, people perish. The message translation says that when people don't attend to what God reveals, they stumble all over themselves. And I'm thankful that even though we've gone through some difficult things as a church, we're here Right at the end of November, getting ready to go into December. And I can tell you one thing. We are not stumbling all over ourselves. We are not ending this year stumbling. We are ending this year strong in the Lord with a vision, with a focus to do what he's called us to do. More determined than ever before to do what he's called us to do. Psalm chapter 78, verse 7. This is what the Bible says. It says, God, he chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheep pens... From tending the sheep, he brought him to be the shepherd of his people, Jacob, of Israel, his inheritance. And watch what David did. And David shepherded them with integrity of heart 
and with skillful hands, he led them. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. God, we're asking over these next few moments, you would speak clearly to us. We want to hear your voice. Challenge us, change us for your glory. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team. Are you guys grateful for our worship team? I, I love them so much. So we're talking about this core value today, that we are committed to excellence. And the reason we are committed to excellence is because we believe excellence honors God and excellence serves others. Excellence doesn't just serve others, it's, it's attractive to others. It draws people in to the kingdom. They, they, they see it and they're mesmerized by it. And they want to know what makes you, what drives you to be excellent. It's the same thing that drove the Queen of Sheba and 1 Kings chapter 10, to come and see Solomon. She heard about his wisdom. And the Bible says that when she got there, she wasn't disappointed. As a matter of fact, when she got there, it actually exceeded her expectations. What if church could be a place? What if our lives could be a place? What if our homes could be a place when people heard about them and then when they showed up, you actually exceeded their expectation? What if you invited somebody to church and you said, man, my church is good, and they got there expecting one thing, but man, when they got there, we actually exceeded their expectation. Come on, somebody. I, I'm, I'm in for a church that exceeds the expectations of people because we are committed to excellence. Excellence is truly just lining up here with Scripture and what David did. The Bible says David shepherded them. He led them with integrity of heart and with skillful hands. Excellence is that. Excellence is integrity of heart and skillful hands. Excellence is a commitment to be our best. Excellence, by the way, is not a gift that God gives us. It, it is a choice that we make. It's, it's what we decide to do with what God gives us. Can somebody say amen? And, and really, biblical excellence is always about helping other people. You see, the best motivation for doing your best, for giving your best, is the motivation that is not selfish, but it's, it's always about helping others. Here at Calvary, we are not about performance-driven desires, performance-driven mindsets. We are about excellent mindsets because performance-driven mindsets and desires will make you want to be seen. And a desire to be seen will always leave you empty. And here's the thing. When you need to be seen, you will only rise to the level that people see you. When you need to be seen, you will only rise to the level of people's applause. So our greatest motivation is a love for God. That's integrity of heart. It's not the approval of others. Our highest motivation for excellence is that we love God and we love people. Excellence is not perfectionism. Can somebody say thank you, Jesus? <laughs> perfectionism is a refusal to accept anything less than perfect. It's an arrogance that does three things. I'm going to give you these three things. First of all, it destroys your relationships. Perfectionism destroys relationships because you, you, you expect a perfection out of others. And this is, this is such a strong demand on other people that they can never meet. And so in order to get them to meet it, you have to manipulate them and you have to control them. 
But aren't you thankful today that, that you can live a life that doesn't have to manipulate and control others to get the best out of others? Come on, so we, we're not about manipulation. We are not about control because that perfectionism mindset will destroy your relationships. Number two, it will limit your potential. It will limit your potential. And number three, it will hinder creativity. Will hinder creativity. The desire to have everything perfect, the desire to have everything in line, the desire to have everything look good will always limit your creativity because sometimes creativity looks messy. It looks like trying and failing. It looks like falling flat on your face and then learning some things. It, and, and here's the thing. When you are unable to accept falling short, you refuse to reach high. And so what I want to do is we want to build an environment, right? We, we believe this. Belong, believe, become. We are, we are building, creating, cultivating environment of belonging. We want people to reach high. So we have to help people understand, yes, we are after excellence, but we are not after perfectionism because we don't want to hinder creativity. We want, we want to be a church that's willing to fall short, to make some mistakes, to not get it right every time, to admit when we have failed, to admit we are not a perfect church. Can anybody say, this is definitely not a perfect church? One of the best things you could say about us is that we are not perfect. Because if we were perfect, we would probably be a cult. And the only reason you would say we are perfect is because we brainwashed you into telling us and saying, thinking, and believing we are perfect. As we serve Kool-Aid to you that's not got anything in it, I promise. <laughs> when you are a perfectionist, you, you, you limit your relationships. You, you limit your potential. You limit your creativity. Very often... When people criticize others, it, it's not because, it's not truly because they hate them. I mean, sometimes I guess it could be. But most of the time when people criticize other people, it's because the person they're criticizing has, has decided to go the route of excellence. And sometimes someone else's excellence exposes your apathy. <laughs> so why in Mark chapter 10, there's a story of a blind man named Bartimaeus. The Bible says that he really wanted to get his sight back. And so he heard Jesus was passing through. So Bartimaeus is yelling and screaming out. He's saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And everybody who's following Jesus is turning and look at, looking at him weird. And some of them are looking at him and actually saying, hey, you need to Tone it down. You don't, need to, you don't need to bother Jesus like that. Why would they criticize the volume of his voice? Well, they would criticize the volume of his voice because he's doing what they refuse to do. It's the same type of person who would sit in a church service and criticize someone for dancing or raising their hands or crying or running or getting excited or falling on their knees or running to the altar. The same type of person. You're critical of them because they refuse, you refuse to do what they do. Their passion has exposed your apathy. <laughs> Their loud voice has exposed your hands in your pockets. Oh my goodness. And because you refuse to do what they do, you have to criticize what they do. Isn't it an amazing thing that people that are the biggest critics of what you do don't do what you do? I just, I thought I'd give you that. That's a free one today. I wasn't even, 
planning on talking about that really long. Because I really want to talk to you about how, how to stay committed to excellence. Remember, it's not a gift God gives. It's a decision you make. In Daniel chapter 6 and verse 3, the Bible says this about this man named Daniel. It said, Daniel became distinguished above all the other presidents and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Excellence was a decision that Daniel made. Now watch this. It wasn't just about what Daniel did. It was about who Daniel was. Notice the excellent spirit wasn't on him. It was in him. When you make a decision that I'm going to do things with excellence, you make a choice about who you're going to be before you begin. So today I want to encourage you. This is not just about what you do because God is more concerned about who you are becoming than what you are doing right now. He's more concerned about what people can't see than what people can see. God is a God who works on us and deals with us from the inside out. That's why when somebody gets saved, don't expect a whole lot at the beginning. Because what God is doing is on the inside of them. Don't, don't put high expectation on somebody who just came to Jesus. God's doing something on the inside of them. Don't expect them to show all of the fruits of repentance on day one. God is doing something on the inside of them. And fruit takes some time. It takes some time to see on the outside what God is doing on the inside. Can somebody say amen? Aren't you thankful today, though, for a God who is not just trying to fix your outside, but he's, he's doing a work on the inside? Something that can last, something that's sustainable, something that lives beyond today in a moment, in, in a church service, but something that goes way into your future. And so Daniel has got this spirit on the inside of him. And because it's on the inside of him, it's affecting everything he does. So I'm going to give you some choices you have to make about who you're going to be. These are choices that we make towards excellence in our life. Because excellence to me is not a spirit that has arrived. It's a spirit that realizes for the rest of my life, I'm going, I'm walking towards excellence. I'm getting better every single day. I'm not as good today as I'm going to be tomorrow. And I might have some setbacks in the middle of the week, but I'm going to get better. I'm going to learn from those setbacks because I'm not just concerned about what I'm doing. I'm, I'm concerned about who am I becoming from the inside out. So here are some choices you have to make to walk towards excellence every day of your life. The first choice you have to make is you have to choose your attitude. The thing about your attitude is you get to pick it. Nobody gets to make this choice for you. And anytime you put the choice of your attitude in someone else's hands, you have put them in the driver's seat of your life. I'm telling you, man, you, you, you can even be talented and overlooked because you have an attitude that nobody wants to work with. <laughs> I would rather have somebody with minimal talent and a great attitude than somebody with great talent and a bad attitude. And here's the thing about, 
people that God chooses to use is he doesn't always choose the people with the most skill and talent. And some of us are spending a lot of time working on the stuff that God isn't even really concerned about without first making the choice about who am I going to be as a person because I can have all the talent in the world and all the opportunities in the world keep passing me by because nobody can stand to be around my attitude. Praise the Lord. And here's the thing about your attitude. Attitude is a reflection, and this is going to sound so cheesy. I didn't even want this to happen, but for some, I just said reflection. Reflection wasn't in my notes, but rejection is in my notes. Ah, oh, this is so cheesy. Attitude is a reflection of how you've handled rejection. Because every time you get rejected, you get wounded. Come on, admit it. Come on, admit it today. Like, like none of us are above or beyond being wounded by people's rejection. And the person in the room who says, I don't need anybody to like me, is the very person in the room who needs everybody. <laughs> Believe me, I've been that person. I've actually stood up here and said, I don't need anybody to like me when I wanted all of y'all to like me. I don't need anybody to like me. But what did they say about me on Instagram after church today? Oh, I know that world. I live in that world. <laughs> but rejection wounds. Rejection wounds us. And, and rejection is not always a fatal blow. It's not always a fatal blow. But rejection is, is a wound. And, and the cut might not kill you. But if you don't deal with the rejection, the wound that gets infected can destroy you. And, and a lot of people in this room, you've been dealt blows of rejection, and the blow of rejection didn't kill you, but the unhealed wound is what is really infecting your life. And here's what we do. Here's what we do, man. We, we have become pros, and especially with Google and WebMD. Especially now with COVID. We are all professionals at diagnosing ourselves. Right now, everything's COVID. My hip hurts. It's COVID. I think that's, isn't that a, isn't that a, <laughs> isn't that a symptom? COVID? My eyes itching. COVID. <laughs> everything's COVID right now. We have become professionals at diagnosing ourselves. And the worst thing you can do is when you have a symptom is Google your symptom. Have you ever Googled like my ear aches and you ended up having ear cancer? We are terrible at diagnosing ourselves. So we have to stop diagnosing our own attitudes. I, I, I say this all the time. Like, like, it's the same thing with bad breath and bad body odor. You're the last person to smell it. You're the last person to notice it. You've got to listen to the voices of the people in your life that really love you that are telling you, man, that stinks. You need to put some Axe body spray over that. That smells bad. No, it's not. I'm just like my mama. She just had a way about her. No, you're mean. And your mama was mean. And her mama was mean. 
<laughs> just, we are so terrible at diagnosing our own issues. That bad attitude, that inability to trust, your refusal to rest, that obsession you have to fix everything, the irrational desire to make everybody happy, wanting to run when things get difficult. These are wounds of rejection that don't get healed and they become areas of bitterness. And where you are bitter, you cannot receive. This is why I think everyone, everyone needs a counselor. First of all, you need the counsel of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said when he comes, he will convict the world of their sin. When the Holy Spirit comes, one of the indicators that the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you is not that he's always like, oh, wow, you're just precious. No, he's talking to you like that was bad. That was wrong. You said that. You said that with a bad tone. You reacted wrong to that. That was a bad attitude. You shouldn't have. You need to go ahead and forgive that person. He's correcting you. You need a counselor. I don't believe everyone needs a, a, a psychologist. Some people do. But I do believe everybody in this life needs a counselor that is biblically based and sound. Everyone. And when you choose your attitude, you almost make the choice that resistance and rejection are just going to be a part of my day. I'm surprised at the people who are surprised by resistance. As if the devil was just going to let you do whatever you wanted to do. As if the enemy was going to say, oh, they've made the choice to follow Jesus. Oh, they've made the choice to give their all. Oh, they've made the choice to start a business. Oh, they've made a choice to make a, make a decision in the direction of excellence. Ah, no big deal. I'm just going to let them do what they want to do. You almost have to prepare your life. That's why Jesus told the disciples, hey, listen, they hated me. Better get ready. They're going to hate you too. You almost have to wake up prepared for rejection, prepared for resistance. I'll tell you the people who aren't prepared for resistance, the people that wake up and don't pray before they go. When you wake up and you just go, you haven't prepared yourself. You, you, you live in la-la land. You, you think that life's just going to be great that day. You think that's just all going to come together. You think there's going to be, there's just going to be no traffic on the interstate. You just think all, you're going to get all the green lights that day. You just think nobody's going to cut you off. You, you just think that your boss is going to respond to you well all day long. No, they're not. You need to prepare your heart for resistance, especially people who have a vision. If you have a vision for your life, you need to prepare your life for resistance because very often the people who are most invested in the present resist the future. So you have to, you have to understand something. If you're in a situation at work and you've got ideas and you've got creativity and they seem to be rejected, the reason they're being rejected and the reason you're being rejected is because those people are invested in the present. And the people who are most invest, invested in the present resist the future. So you're going to have to get used to your ideas getting overlooked. Come on, somebody. And you're going to have to keep a good attitude. And finally, if you'll keep a good attitude and stop quitting every job that resists you, stop walking away from every situation that rejects you, and you show them by your attitude that you're here to stay, 
And you might reject my idea, but you're not getting rid of me. Because I see a better future for our marriage, and I see a better future for our kids, and I see a better future for this business, and I see a better future for our church. I'm not leaving my church the first sign of resistance, because I see a better future for my church. Man, so I got to fix my attitude. I got to choose my attitude. So second thought is I have to choose to show up to serve. This is something, this is, these are things that I can do that really don't require a whole lot, of, whole lot of talent. I show up to serve. There's always a place for people who show up to serve. Always. It's, it's very hard for people who want to be served to find a home in the house of God. Because God's house above all was designed to create a space for you to serve. Not for you to be served. Why? Because Jesus has already served you through salvation. He has already served you through redemption. He has already served you by his Holy Spirit. And now he expects out of you service in his house. All righty. I tell people all the time, they're, they're like, Rob, you don't understand. You don't understand. Church I go to, the, the, they, they won't recognize my gift. I left that church because they wouldn't recognize my anointing. I walked away from that job because they wouldn't recognize my ability. They didn't know what they had. Now they don't have what they had. They're probably just as happy to, that you're gone that you left. <laughs> well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, brother. <laughs> you, don't, you don't know, man. They don't, they don't, they don't, they don't see. Can I, can, I, can I tell you that that type of attitude eliminates God from the whole situation? Can I tell you that God, if he wants to, he can override your boss? If God wants to. He can override your pastor. He can override, he can override anybody. So the mindset that someone else is keeping you back. Listen, if God needs you, God will come and get you wherever you are. <laughs> you don't recognize my anointing. Neither does God. Because if he did, he'd release it. Just heads up. Just heads up. Just heads up. Again, let's go back to a, let's go back to the Bible. <laughs> let's go, man, I'm feeling good today for some reason. Feeling bold in the name of Jesus. There, let's go back to the Bible. There's, there's a guy named David. Everybody loves David. The Bible says that Samuel showed up to David's house to anoint the next king. Jesse brings out all of his boys except for David. And Samuel goes down the line of all the sons, and God keeps saying, not him, not him, not him, not him, not him. Samuel's like, this has to be him. He's tall. This, it's got to be him. He's, he's second boy. He's, it's got to be him. He, he's good looking. It's got to be. No, he's not here. Samuel says, do you have any other boys? Jesse's like, yeah, I got one out of the field. Samuel says, send for him. And he told everybody else, we won't sit down until David gets here. The one who didn't even get invited 
to his own anointing service. It's like not getting an invitation to your own wedding. Is the one God had chosen. And, and God, God said through Samuel, we aren't going anywhere until David shows up. I'm telling you, if God needs you, he will come and get you. Stop acting like the whole world is against you. The whole world doesn't recognize the gift that's on the inside of you. <laughs> Whew, okay. So I show up to serve. A lot of people tell me, like, man, Rob, no, no doors are opening for me. Doors just, nobody, nobody, nobody will open a door for me. I can't open any doors. I went and got the education. I've got all the experience. But it seems as if everybody else is getting doors open but me. It seems like people with less experience are getting doors open, and I'm not. It seems like people who've been on the job less than I have are getting the promotion. Can I tell you, most of the doors that you're going to need open in your life, you don't have the keys to. The people you serve will. And the problem for many people is the reason doors aren't opening is because you refuse to serve anybody other than yourself. You have to understand, churches are not built on the talent of a few people, but on the sacrifice of many. I am standing here today not because I'm great. I'm standing here today because people who were here way before you ever met me gave everything they had to make this thing possible. Years ago, our church went through a financial crisis in the 90s. And I'll never forget, I was a little boy. The church was out of money and my dad actually brought the bills from the church to an elders meeting. And he said, listen, we don't have it in the bank. We're going to have to take care of this ourselves. And I watched as, listen, it, these guys are not in the same place that they are now. This church was started. All of these families that, that are many that, of our elders that are in this church right now were, were 28, 29, 30 years old with young families. Businesses maybe, but they had just started. Nobody was making bank. And every person in that room grabbed a bill and said, I got this one, Pastor. I'll take care of this one, Pastor. We're here today. We're in this room today. Because years ago, people you maybe never met stepped up and said, I'm going to serve the ministry. Third thought, invite correction. You got to choose to be hospitable to correction because correction is going to come. The Bible says in Proverbs, it talks about a man that, that if you give him correction, it's dangerous for you. It's not healthy for you to give a person who doesn't want to learn correction, the Bible says. Because <laughs> they're just going to get mad at you. <laughs> Don't be that guy. Oh, man, I have been that guy so many times in my life where people who love me and care about me have come in and they say, Rob, hey, man, I, you could, you, you know, you, yeah. And they, they resisted correcting me because they knew how I would respond. But Proverbs 12 and 1 says, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. He who hates reproof is stupid. That's what the Bible said. <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't even make that up. <laughs> Proverbs 8 and 33 says, hear instruction and be wise. Do not neglect it. Excellent people invite correction. 
And only people who invite correction experience the rewards of change. I'm telling you, the thing you're resisting is actually your reward. I know you don't like change, but you're resisting your reward. The reward of this life is that things change. The reward of this life is that things change. Not that things stay the same, but that things change. I, my, my daughter, my baby, baby girl is getting married to this guy. I know his name, but I don't even want to say it sometimes. And they're getting married, and, and it's, it's coming up. And, and, and all I'm thinking about is that I'm, I'm losing this daughter, but I'm not actually losing a daughter. I'm gaining a son. And then if they have babies, I'm gaining grand. I, I got to allow things to change so that things can change, so that I can get the reward that's coming for my life. Come on, man. You're resisting your reward when you refuse to change. Invite that correction that causes you to change. Have that desire. God, I want to leave how... I want to leave different than how I showed up. When I read your word, I don't want to read it just for information. I want to read your word for transformation. Change me from the inside out. Invite correction. Let me give you this fourth thought. Train your focus. Train your focus. I want to tell you something. You and me, man, we cannot do everything well. We can do a few things well, but most of us in our lifetimes will only do one thing with excellence. Can't do it all. Someone told me one time, they said, Rob, you're going to have to decide. Are you going to be and nothing against this restaurant? It's just the difference. Rob, are you going to be a Shoney's or are you going to be a Ruth's Chris? Shoney's has everything. You can get spaghetti on the same plate you put your ice cream on if you want to. Oh, man. Or you can be a Ruth's Chris. You can focus. You can focus. I can't do everything well. I can maybe do a few things well. But I'm probably only capable of doing one thing with excellence. Psalm 78, 72. Remember it said, and David shepherded them with integrity of heart and skillful hands. Listen, attitude is much more important than skill. Something I think we we very often neglect in the church community is skill. We, we, just, we, just, we just think we can just get up and open up our mouth and God's going to fill it. I don't even have to prepare for Sunday morning. God will give me a word when I show up. No, don't live like that. Prepare like it all depends on you. Pray like it all depends on him. So he had skillful hands. Listen, it wasn't luck that hit the forehead of Goliath. Nowhere does the Bible say that God grabbed that stone out of midair and guided it to Goliath's head. No, the reason David would not use Saul's 
armor is because he hadn't what? Tested it. He hadn't practiced with it. It wasn't luck that hit the forehead of Goliath. It was practice. (laughs) Proverbs 22 and 29 says, Do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. Now, I'm going to give you this bit of information to help you with your focus because a lot of people in this room are are wondering today, what's my purpose and what am I called to do? What's that thing that God has called me to do? And I think very often we don't find our purpose because we ask the wrong question. First of all, your life, your existence is the response to a problem. That means you are the answer to a question. So let me help you with this. You exist to answer a question. You exist to solve a problem. (laughs) And most of our life is spent wondering how can I get more stuff? That's the wrong question. How can I get more things? What can I do to get more stuff? What can I do for a job, for an occupation, to have the house I want, to have the car I want, to have the things I want? And we're, we're asking the wrong question. We're asking for stuff instead of what answer do I have to a problem that someone else has? Promotion is connected with your ability to answer questions. Goliath wasn't just a giant. He was a problem that needed to be solved. And whoever solved the problem reaped the benefit of solving the problem. So you live, you exist to solve problems. And and most people spend their life pointing out problems. But it doesn't take anybody with any wisdom to see a problem. It takes someone with wisdom to fix problems. You were created not to see problems, but to, to fix problems. In 2 Chronicles chapter 1, God asks this man Solomon. He says to Solomon, he says, ask me whatever you want and I'll give it to you. A million dollars? Ten million dollars? Fame, fortune, notoriety, influence? He said, God, give me the wisdom and the knowledge I need to lead such a great people. (laughs) And, and, And like we said before, Solomon's wisdom was so incredible that people from all over the world, the Bible says, desired an audience with Solomon. And the reason Sheba even came to see Solomon was to ask him questions. She needed answers. The world needs a solution. It's one thing to shout about the problem. In American culture, we are good about shouting at the problem. But we need to raise up Rise up as a church. Realize, I don't just have the wisdom to see what's wrong in the world today. I have the wisdom 
to, to fix, to solve the problems that face the world that I'm living in. Come on, somebody. I've got the answer. I've got the wisdom. It comes from heaven above. The Bible says if any of you lacks wisdom, ask for it. And God, who is, who is a giver of wisdom, he will give you wisdom when you ask for it. So don't focus on stuff, man. Focus on being a solution to a problem. Amen? Amen. Come on. Stand on your feet today and let me let, me let you go. All throughout the Bible, you see, whether it was Samson or Moses or Noah or Gideon or anybody, the Bible actually says about Samson, it says, it, it says that God's people were being harassed. And because God was angry over his people being harassed, Solomon, or I'm sorry, Samson was born. Samson's birth was a response to a problem the people of God had. You got to think about your life in a better way, with a better perspective. You're not just an accident. You didn't just trip into the earth. You're not just stumbling around on the earth. You are here by design because God saw a problem, and because he saw that problem, he sent you created you and the circumstances of your birth really don't matter because God used people from all types of different circumstances. God used kids that were born out of rape. God used kids that were not wanted. God used kids that were abandoned. God used kids that came from single homes, single mothers and single. God used kids from all types of different backgrounds. God isn't concerned with the circumstances of your birth. All he needs is for you to get into this earth. And if you'll get into this earth, there is a, there is a solution for a problem that people have in the earth. Father, we thank you today that our lives are not an accident, but they're actually a response from heaven to a problem in the earth. So my life matters doesn't matter what anybody else says about me. It doesn't matter the circumstances of my birth. It doesn't matter how I got here. It doesn't matter if I was wanted or if I was adopted. It doesn't matter if I was born in America or somewhere else. It doesn't matter. The circumstances of my, where I was born, how I was born, the color of my skin, none of that stuff really matters. God, all you, all you saw was a problem that needed to be fixed, and, and my name was your response. My life was your response. My heart was your response. The gifts that you put on the inside of me was your response. The brain that you gave me was your response. And I'm thankful today, Jesus. I'm thankful today. I'm thankful. Help me, God, to make these choices so that I can move towards a life of excellence. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Hey, before you go on, would you bow your head and close your eyes? One more time, I want to just ask if there's anybody in this room today and you would say, Rob, I don't have a relationship with God. 